hundred and twenty hundred UTC. Good evening and welcome to South Sudan in Focus on the Voice of America. I'm Nabil Biagio in Washington, working on this program via remote. Here are some of the top stories making news across South Sudan and Sudan this Monday, December 19, 2022. South Sudan's National Security Service dismisses an investigative report that accuses the agency of rights abuses and corruption. The report makes false and inaccurate allegations against individuals and the work of the National Security Service. And some residents of Lake State reflect on the year 2022. I remember we have peace and security. Our security was good in 2022. Like now, we are free to move anyhow and to do everything. We will have these stories and more coming up on South Sudan in Focus. Reuters reports that Sudanese security forces are using stun grenades and tear gas on Monday to disperse hundreds of protesters rallying in Khartoum on the fourth anniversary of the uprising that led to the ouster of longtime leader Omar al-Bashir. Nisreen Asaim, Sudanese youth protester in Khartoum and chair of the UN Secretary General's Youth Advisory Group on Climate Change, describes the scene unfolding on the streets of Sudan to VOA's Carol Van Damme. There is a, a massive protest that started uh, in the regular buses towards the palace, the presidential palace, and all of the bridges leading to the palace, the two nearest bridges, which is the McNamara Bridge and the White Nile Bridge, are closed with big containers. Yet um, the group from Khartoum and the protests were so big. Um, there's a lot of uh, protesters and also, there's a lot of forces. Big number of tear gases are being, I mean, um, I, excuse me, I'm crying a bit. It's, uh, there's a lot of tear gas in the air. And also, there's a lot of injured people. Um, you know, the protesters use motorcycles as small um, uh, ambulances where ambulances cannot reach the areas where there's um, a massive engagement. So they use the motorcycles and there is a lot of motorcycles that went to the hospital already a lot of people are injured we hoped we thought also that um with the signing of the agreement maybe the violence against the protesters will go a bit lower unfortunately it's definitely not the case and um people are still demonstrating um there is big group so what happens is there's a group and then they try to make a box around it so the group doesn't uh, move forward so uh, the boxes sometimes um, succeed uh, breaking the, the path of the protesters but sometimes not so basically um, now we have three groups um, or three boxes as they call it sometimes the protesters break the box and go inside but as a lot of <laughs> sorry as a lot of protesters already noticed these tear gas that they are using now are uh, by far harder than the one they used before. Uh, also, the violence is increasing. Until now, there is no gun firing with, with live gunfire. We, we've heard from Reuters that they're also, the Sudanese security forces are also using stun grenades. Have you seen that? Yes. Um, I have heard it, not seen it. I can hear the sound, but it's not in the area where I am. Um, maybe um, 
because uh, normally as they uh, as the protesters are going closer to actually break the the box the forces goes more wider to uh, stop the movement and to stop the protesters so i think our group is not very much advanced that's why they didn't use the extra weapons with us but in other areas i can still hear it yes so tell me about the size of the protests we're hearing that they're the biggest in several months is that true well, um, it is somehow true, uh, but it's also not very much because, unfortunately, the size of the protest is normally measured by how many people in one area. And this is not correct because, especially after closing the bridges, most of the protesters became non-central. So we have one in Khartoum North, or we can call it Bahri. We have one in Omdurman, and we have one in uh, in Khartoum. The one in Khartoum is really big and quite bigger than the ones before. That is true. But when you calculate the whole number, um, it is a massive protest. Unfortunately, because they closed the bridges, we are not able to, to gather in one place as we used to do before. That's Nisreen Assaim, a protester in Khartoum, who is also chairperson of the UN Secretary General's Youth Advisory Group on Climate Change. She was speaking with my colleague Carol Van Dam. South Sudan's National Security Service denies charges made in a recent century report accusing the intelligence agency of grave human rights abuses and corruption. The head of public relations at the NSS Internal Security Bureau says the century's charges against the National Security Service are false. Deng Deng has this report for VOA from Bor. David John Kumri, Director for Public Relations at the Internal Security Bureau of the National Security Service, told reporters in Juba on Friday that the report makes inaccurate allegations against certain individuals and the work of the National Security Service. Uh, the National Security Service of South Sudan rejects the allegations contained in the Century Report Undercover Activities inside the national security profitable paybook published in December 2022. No advance copy was provided by Senatory to the National Security Service or to the individual named in the report to enable correction of the facts and information before the publications. In its December 8th report, the Suntry accused the NSS of establishing control over the country through extensive business operations and undercover activities, including widespread human rights abuses and corruption. The report accused the NSS of being ruthless, secretive, and well-funded. It said personnel were involved in kidnapping, torture, and illegal detention. It also alleges that the NSS plays a critical role in the capture of public institutions and revenue streams in the country. The century said that corporate records it reviewed reveal a vast network of companies with NSS shareholders across key sectors, including the economic sector, financial sector, oil sector and media sector, and that top national security officers are shareholders in some of the firms. Kumri says the report relies on third-party sources for information. The allegation it makes have not been independently checked and verified by its authors. The report also fails to consider recent reforms within the security service sector and the legal proceedings against individuals who are alleged to have committed 
crimes or disciplinary breaches. The century says the NSS has funded a campaign of surveillance, intimidation and horrific violence against civilians, activists and journalists and has interfered with civil society and the press, suppressed freedom of speech and permanently silenced those who spoke out against the regime. The report is part of a wider ongoing campaign by a senatory and its backers who seek to undermine the peace and security of the Republic of South Sudan. The National Security Service, ladies and gentlemen, will be issuing a comprehensive report. Kumri refused to take questions from the reporters, saying only that the Century report was intended to smear the South Sudan government. Century researcher Laila Hamid told VOA earlier this month that the international community and financial institutions must identify accounts held by NSS personnel and target them with sanctions. For VOA News, I am Deng Guiding in Bor. As the year 2022 draws to an end, residents in South Sudan's Lake States have mixed feelings as they share vivid memories in their personal and collective lives from the year 2022. VOA reporter William Sunday Mabor spoke to some Lake State residents and files these box pops from Rumbek. The year 2022 has been a great uh, year for me as uh, an individual. It's a year I won't forget in my life because it's a year I graduated. It's been called a graduate. I graduated this year uh, with a bachelor degree in social communication and media studies from Kenya. And I can say uh, this year always, you know, will be at the back of my mind when I think of 2022. In 2022, we are having so good security now in United States. Let me talk uh, countrywide. In 2022, we have learned a lot of uh, balances, especially that one in our homes and uh, and many other areas. These are the things that we launched in 20. 22 and we don't want that one to be repeated in 2023 we need country stability we need our country to be stable and we also need we even experience the bad roads what i remember 2022 in lake state i remember we have peace and security our security was good in 2022 like now we are free to move anyhow and to do everything in 2022, I remember the first was the loss of my mother, and it has really given me a very hardship to, to because she was the one looking after my children when I go to work, when I go to school. So I really got that supportive uh, from her, but since I lost her in 2022, that was in March, it has become as a challenge to me. So 2022 had been a hardship uh, year, which, which has been so much with ups and downs as a person who has been, who sometimes act as a breadwinner because nowadays women are the much majority of the people that contribute to the family level, especially when it comes to as educated women. Since the beginning of 2022 to December where we are today, in context of Lake State, I could have a memory that a state has been a peaceful situation where citizens have been free moving from here and there doing their livelihood without any fear compared to the rest of the years. It is a great achievement to the state authority. The negative memory in my mind is about 
the natural disaster where floods covered most of the lake state fight where woman was very little using the means of transport. This is a natural disaster. Flooding is natural disaster. This year, 2022, actually, I can remember this year really was uh, relatively peaceful. People have started to cultivate and produce some crops this year and uh, there's no even sound of gunshot in the, in the town and people are moving freely night and day uh, there's no fear and that is the the, 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 the best things I can remember in this uh, year 2022 in fact this year was one of the best years so far I've ever seen because in this year we had peace we had peace we have security in the country there is no more looting of people killing people in ways there is no raiding of cattles we have lost a lot of our people our relatives in fights a lot of war even some children have dropped out of schools because of insecurity they feel that maybe in case they go to school they will be killed on the way but since this year our governor came we have good security everyone is celebrating even me i'm celebrating because there is peace what i have remember 2022 in lake state i remember we have peace and security. Our security was good in 2022. Like now, we are free to move anyhow and to do everything. The year 2022, personally, it has been a year of blessing. I have experienced a lot of good, good things that happen in my life. I will start with the highest good and I will go down to the other good things. So in the year 2022, that is whereby I, I was elevated from being an acolyte to be ordained on the 20th of the month of November in the year 2022 as a deacon in the Catholic Church. I am very happy for that. It is not an achievement which I achieve, but it is a gift from God. Actually, being ordained as a deacon or as a priest or as even as a bishop, even as a cardinal or a pope, it is not an achievement in one life. It is called divine elections. Divine elections come as a pure gift from God, even a sinner. When God has chosen you for his purpose, even when you are a sinner, God still can confirm you as his elect. That is called divine election. In 2022, I remember the first was the loss of my mother. And it has really given me a very hardship to, to because she was the one looking after my children when I go to work, when I go to school. So I really got that supportive uh, from her. But since I lost her in 2022, that was in March, it has become as a challenge to me. So 2022 had been a hardship uh, year, which, which has been so much with ups and down as a person who has been who sometimes act as a breadwinner because nowadays women are the much majority of the people that contribute to the family level especially when it comes to as educated women those are the voices of some residents of south sudan's lake state reflecting on the year 2022 You're listening to South Sudan in Focus on the Voice of America. Coming up, Uganda has lifted Ebola-related restrictions it imposed in October. Find out more after this break. What do you think? 
speak out on important questions. The question today. What job would you be really bad at and why? If I was to be a doctor, I don't think I would do it well because I'm not actually confident at uh, treating people. But I have that humanity of uh, I can treat someone well, what? but I can't treat you like a patient. I'll be really bad at any job that would tell me what to wear. I'm a person that doesn't like to use tie, especially. So any job that would tell me I have to talk in, I have to use tie, I have to resume by 7 a.m. and all, I'll be bad at that job because it's not part of my ethics. I'm not so good with handling gadgets, electronics, and also I believe I'll be very bad at computer engineering. I wouldn't know how to go about it. I wouldn't know how to fix you know, things here and there. What do you think? A daily discussion of important questions from VOA. You're listening to South Sudan in Focus on the Voice of America. Uganda has lifted the lockdown instituted in October as a measure to prevent the spread of the deadly Ebola virus throughout the country. The government says it was necessary to lift restrictions, including travel and curfews, after more than four weeks have passed without any new cases. Reporter Mugumi Davis Rakarinj has more from Kampala. Ugandan President Yoel Museven introduced the lockdown measures two months ago in the Bola epicenter districts of Kasanda and Movende. Travel from and out of them was banned, and there was a curfew from 7 p.m. till 6 a.m. In a message read by Uganda's Vice President Jessica Alupo this past weekend, the government said it was justified to lift the lockdown. There are currently no cases on admission. Therefore, it is against this background that I am lifting all movement restrictions and curfew in Mubende and Kassanda districts with immediate effect. The country has confirmed at least 142 Ebola cases and 56 deaths. She thanked Ugandans for cooperating in the fight against the deadly outbreak. Then we have registered great success in the containment of this epidemic. I have been told that we still have 24 days to complete the 42 days, which are two incubation cycles. To give us reassurance that the outbreak is under control. Alupo is urging citizens to remain cautious. However, this doesn't mean that the outbreak has ended. We remain on high alert with intense surveillance across the country. She says the government is putting on standby more than 3,500 health workers and will continue mobile testing for Ebola cases. She also says the Minister of Health will continue to work with the village health teams to continue sustaining the population against the virus. For VOA News, I am Mugume, Davis Rwakarinji Kampala, Uganda. The World Health Organization warns billions of people who lack access to safe drinking water, sanitation, and hygiene are at risk of deadly infectious diseases. The finding appears in the WHO and UN Water's Global Analysis and Assessment of Sanitation and Drinking Water, or GLAAS, report issued this week. Lisa Schlein reports for VOA from Geneva. 
Data collected from 121 countries show billions of people are facing a health crisis, and states must act urgently to improve water, sanitation, and hygiene, known as WASH. The report, the most comprehensive to date, finds most countries are not on track to achieve the UN Sustainable Development Goal of providing water and sanitation for all by 2030. Bruce Gordon is unit head, water, sanitation, hygiene, and health at the WHO. While dramatic acceleration is needed, he says only 25% of countries are on track to meet their target for sanitation and only 45% for drinking water. And this is against the backdrop of a tremendous amount of, you know, disease um, from diarrhea uh, linked to ingestion of, of poor water with the root cause of poor sanitation, um, lack of hand hygiene that impacts also on respiratory infections. And so almost 2 million people are dying every year um, because of poorly managed water, sanitation and hygiene. Gordon says countries need to recommit to the targets they have made to save those lives. He notes a major opportunity to do that will occur during an historic UN Water and Sanitation Conference in March. For the first time in 50 years, he says the global community will gather to review progress and make voluntary commitments to improve the water situation. The report delves into the impact climate-related extreme weather events have on impeding the delivery of safe wash services. Gordon says the report highlights the importance of climate resilience and adaptation to climate change. And yet when we look at the policy response, uh, whether it's climate resilient technologies, um, which are simple things to avoid um, floods um, or to uh, mitigate uh, droughts, um, simple risk management um, or simple technologies, these are not being put in place. The WHO report calls on governments to dramatically increase investments to extend access to safely managed drinking water and sanitation services. It urges them to scale up support for wash service delivery by putting in place monitoring systems, regulatory functions and capacity development. Lisa Schlein for VOA News, Geneva. Next, an editorial reflecting the views of the United States government. The impact of water insecurity cannot be overstated. Water scarcity leads to lower food production and can lead to economic stagnation, even a decline in the health of a population, as sanitation and basic hygiene are difficult to maintain if water is scarce. Limited water resources can lead to regional disputes, even armed conflict. Indeed, water can serve as a weapon of war, as we've seen in Ukraine, where water infrastructure has been raised, leaving innocent civilians without essential services, said USAID Deputy Administrator Isabel Coleman. Working through USAID, the United States government invests in global water security in some of the world's most water-insecure communities. We have helped nearly 60 million people gain access to safe drinking water and 44 million people gain access to safe sanitation, more than half of whom were women and girls, said Deputy Administrator Coleman. But as an 
an agency, we recognize that our investments must stretch further to deliver transformational and lasting changes. Two billion people still lack access to safe drinking water with the greatest disparities held by poor and rural populations. The U.S. Global Water Strategy is the primary vehicle to set in motion the White House Global Water Security Action Plan, launched by the Biden administration in June. Under the Global Water Strategy, the U.S. government works to advance health, prosperity, stability, and resilience in places they are needed the most. Recently, the U.S. government unveiled its 2022 to 2027 Global Water Strategy. For its part in this plan, USAID will work to reach 22 million additional people with safe drinking water and another 22 million with sanitation, said Deputy Administrator Coleman. The program targets people who have never before had access to water and sanitation. USAID will carry out its plan by strengthening the capacity of the institutions and providers responsible for delivering high-quality, equitable, climate-resilient services. We aim to strengthen 1,000 water security institutions and mobilize $1 billion in water and sanitation finance, she said. Such U.S. investments make it possible to grow food to feed the world, run businesses, and keep people healthy, said Deputy Administrator Coleman. They promote democracy, cooperation, and peace. Over the next five years, USAID looks forward to working in partnership to advance a water-secure world for all. That was an editorial reflecting the views of the United States government. And that's all we prepared for you this Monday. Don't forget to check out voaafrica.com for all your favorite programs and news updates. If you miss this broadcast, go to www.voaafrica.com forward slash South Sudan. We now leave you with the song Fadia Le Siasa by Emmanuel Kembe.
Emmanuel Kembe and the song Fadia Le Siasa. I'm your host, Nabil Biagio in Washington. Thanks for taking the time to be with us. Join us again tomorrow for another edition of South Sudan in Focus from the Voice of America. Take a southern to